joined this week by James Cratch. Uh, Keith Sargent is a coronavirus casualty, at least when it comes to covering Rutgers right now. He's out doing uh, the world's important work. Cratch, it's been two months since we've done this, and the world has literally changed. It's amazing. I mean, it it's changed in ways that I, I just can you could never have imagined the stuff that's happened. I mean, it's just it's just. I mean, it's just unspeakably different. And I we're, I think we're turning the corner. I'm not sure. Sometimes, some days I think we're, we're never going to turn the corner. I mean, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm hanging in there, you know. It's been interesting because uh, I think we, we taped the last podcast, like, right when it happened, right when Rutgers had been knocked out of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. And I think we knew at that point that we might be doing this for a while. But I don't think – I think I was certainly optimistic that – if you would have told me on March 13th, 14th, whenever it was, like, well, we know what's – are we going to be back to normal by the end of May and June? I would have been like, yes, I would think so, but we, we clearly are not, so. Oh, we're we not. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it seems like we're in a holding pattern exactly where we were when this started. I mean, yes, it's just, exactly. It's just kind of incredible, and you know, and, and I think about all the ways it's changed my life. You wait, you're cha- you got a dog in your car. I got a dog now. I mean, that's, yeah, that's certainly a development that you know, you know, I guess. If, if, one of the millions of people who have decided to use their time for time at home to adopt a pet. How's that going? It's it's going well. We're we're working. We're on week two with Hazel the Schnoodle. Um, She's a she's a love lovely lovely little puppy, Schnoodle. three and a half months old, yeah. Schnauzer Poodle mix. Um, and I actually learned this. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest. Like we just, you know, my girlfriend and I want to get a dog, so we we went out. You know, and look, it, it's and it's a good thing. It's hard to get a dog on the East Coast right now. Yeah, wow. You know, the, the shelters are, are pretty empty, which is great. That's great. But when, so, like when you're kind of on the back end of that trend. Uh, there's not a lot of dogs out there, you know. And obviously, you know, yeah, there's certain breed restrictions. Apartments have, so it gets kind of tough. So, um, we just kind of happened. We hadn't ever th- researched a schnoodle or thought about a schnoodle, and and we kind of met Hazel, and we took a liking to her, obviously. So we brought her home, and I've kind of learned after the fact that you know schnauzers are easy to easy to train. Um, apparently, schnoodles are a very popular form of uh, therapy dog. Because, and I've learned this from our dog, you know, knock on wood, Hazel doesn't bark a lot. Yeah. She's very sweet and loving and obedient. Uh, she really hasn't had many accidents in the home. So she seems like so far like the perfect dog. You know, she's probably going to be 15 to 20 pounds when it's all said and done. Cute as a button. And, uh, yeah, she's been great. I got to tell you, Schnoodle, though, that sounds like a, a box of snack food you'd get in college when you were stoned. Like, hey, man. Yeah, pass me the schnoodles, would you? No, and and like my initial thought was like I'm like on my phone like researching a schnoodle as like she's running around in circles playing with us because you know my I've had past experience like sometimes little dogs are a little kind of nasty for want of a better term you know a little hippie yeah, and you know and I was like oh is a schnauzer like you know a chihuahua or wants to rip your head off and yes. no thankfully no. Schnauzers are wonderful animals. That's so. Good to know. Good to yeah, know. It's good to know. Yes, yeah, so, you, you know, plenty of time. We're, we're, we're our, our family dog, twelve and a half, we're inside the quarantine. It's just a walking, living excuse to not do something. Like the dog will walk in the room and go, like, "Oh, look, here's Maggie," and the exactly. kids at the floor. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that's kind of what the, when you're trapped in the house all day, you're looking for any reason. Yeah. All right, let's talk some football here, guys. We've got a lot to catch up on. I mean, I, I guess you know. <laughs> From the standpoint of the only thing that matters really is 
are we going to have a season? That's the, that's yes. the prevailing question. And if the answer to that is yes, what's that season going to look like? And I, you know, I, I made a, I made a bunch of calls, you know, over the course of this thing. And it seems like who depends on who you're talking to, when you're talking to them and where they live for the answer to that mm-hmm. question. And it's just amazing to me how many different scenarios are out there. I mean, you know, you, you got places like SEC, they think, oh, this is going to be going to show up and there's going to be 80,000 people in our stadium. And you got places up here where you're like, you know, I, I just can't imagine the scenario where they're, where they're playing. I mean, what, what's your, what's your thought now? Where, where do you stand on specifically what's going to happen with Rutgers football when, when this, when, you know, when we get to the point where, uh, where the season begins? I think they're going to play. I, there's no doubt in my mind they are going to, unless there's some sort of horrific resurgence of the virus, they are going to, or, or the Big Ten at, a, at a overall umbrella level says, we're shutting it down, which I, I do not see happening. I think Rutgers, there's going to be a college football season in the fall. I think right now I would say it starts on time and they play 12 games. I think there's a possibility that the season maybe gets started at the end of maybe they start a couple weeks late. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the, you know, if you look at the big 10 schedule, Rutgers has their big 10 opener it's supposed to be at Ohio state on September 26, which is the fourth weekend of the season. There's only seven big 10 conference games that are being played in the first three weeks. So the big 10 could very easily say we're starting on September 26th. We're wiping out non-conference schedules to some extent, and we're going to just, find a place to play those conference games that we missed. I know people have talked about a conference-only schedule. I don't buy that for a couple of reasons. One, you have to allow Iowa State to play Iowa right. in a conference. I think, two, if you're playing Notre Dame like Wisconsin is, you're going to want to play Notre Dame. Right. Three, you know, I saw someone say, well, what happens if the American plays a football-only like schedule and the Army can't play Navy? Let me just start off with this. The yeah, Army's going to play Navy. If there's <laughs> one game in the country played, yeah. It's yeah. Going, if, if Navy has a choice between playing an American-only schedule and playing one game against Army, they're going to play Army. Yeah. You know, I think the same way, like, USC is going to play Notre Dame unless, like, the world has ended. Right. So don't tell the Pac-12 they only play conference games. They're going to play Notre Dame, USC. So I think you're going to have that happen. I mean, I think, yeah, there's a good chance that the SEC is going to kind of rip-roar and just fly away. I think there's a very good chance that we get to a point where the SEC might play 12 full games. You know, maybe the Pac-12 plays a full season. You know, maybe the Big Ten says we're playing 10. I do think there's going to be a season. I think they'll get it done. I think the move to end the, the, the instructional school years at Thanksgiving break is a smart move. Um, I think that's going to help, you know, not bring all the students back. I mean, first off, it's just a waste of time. I mean, I remember when I went to South Carolina, I would come home for Thanksgiving. I'd fly out on Friday to go to Carolina Clemson game. And I basically would be back home eight days later. Right. It doesn't you know, make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So I, I do think there's going to be a season. The biggest thing I think, and, I was off last week, and the way that people kind of bounce back and forth when every time somebody says something and we act like, like, right, right. The Wall Street Journal story this past weekend the Michigan president didn't say anything that anyone else has not been saying. He said, if we don't have students on campus, we're not going to play football, which is basically what the big, the, the conference commissioners 
told Mike Pence, you know, when the White House had a call back in March. I think what people are misconstruing is I don't think the Michigan president meant if we can't jam 250 freshmen into a poli sci 101 lecture hall, we can't play football. No, no. I just think there needs to be more people on campus than the students that make them money on the football field right. is what they're saying. Yeah. And and I, I do I do feel that it's going to be it's going to be different on campus. Regardless, I, th- I do agree with you now that students are going to be back in some way. There's not going to be all remote learning, at least out here in, in, the, in this corner of the woods. They're, they're, even at Rutgers, no. I think they're planning, from what I understand, they're planning to have students yeah. there. They're, they're, so there's going, to be, there's going to be a fall semester. Uh, now, where I got to come to, the, the thing that I'm curious about is what does that mean if they have a football season, if they're playing games, who's allowed into the stadium? How do they, you know do some kind of smart and you can't social distance with with 30,000 people even 10,000 no. people so what are they going to do to you know uh, allow some semblance of normalcy who gets first priority to go in i mean there's so many little questions about how you handle the, the, the logistics of it what about the media access what about everything that goes in tv everything that goes into this tailgates i mean i can just go on and on uh so if they're going to do it in a different way if they're going to try to um uh, you know, it, it changed the way we experience college football on the weekend. It's going to be a, log- a huge log- log- you know, logistical undertaking. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've heard a few things. I know uh, Iowa State just announced uh, today, we're taping this on Tuesday, that they anticipate as of now that they're going to have 30, they're going to have half capacity in their stadium, 30,000 fans. So they said, we've sold 22,000 season tickets. We're selling 8,000 more season tickets. Right, right. That is the only people that are left in the stadium. Now, I don't know. And they said, if we'll sell single game tickets, if we our capacity increases. But right now, we're going to cut it, cap it at 30,000. Um, I haven't had a chance to read into it. I don't know if that includes students. One of the things I heard was, well, if, if we're going to say that students being on campus is so critical to playing football, well, then the students should be in the stadium. Yes. I think one of the things I heard, proposals I heard was, well, right now we can have 25 people at an outdoor gathering. Let's say by kickoff when they play Monmouth, it's 50 people in an outdoor gathering. Well, you get a group of 50 students, you plop them down somewhere in the bleachers, then you leave, you know, six, eight, ten feet of space, whatever you want, and then you put another group of 50 students down. (laughs) And you just kind of have everyone spread out around the stadium. Right. Yeah. They could do that. I think with season ticket holders, obviously, like the Audi Club, as long as it's allowed, I mean, I, I you probably would have to limit it, but I would think that if you're allowed to have 30 people in an indoor gathering, they could probably take a box or two, put 30 people in there. And in that situation, in terms of like a liability issue, you're probably going to have to sign off, feel your right to, <laughs> right. if you get COVID-19 to, to go at Rutgers, you know, I think. And a lot of people are not going to do that. I will say that there are no. fans. This problem might solve itself. There are a lot of fans who are, who are old, or you know, or, or you know, who just don't want to, have to take the risk, to, you know, to see that just yeah. take the season off. I mean, that's which, that's which, is, which I and I think that's what I'm saying. I, I think that, and I read that, and that Iowa. I know Iowa State said if you're a season ticket holder and you don't want to come to the games, we're going to give you your money back and we're going to hold your seat, right. hold your place in line for 2021. I think you, you know one of the things that I, I people said is well. Even if you don't let fans in the stadium, they're going to show up and tailgate. Um, now, I don't think that's as big of a concern for Rutgers, and it's not because where the stadium is on campus, 
they just shut the roads off and they don't let anyone near the stadium. Right. Right. But when you have a stadium that's like smack dab in the middle of campus, yeah. I don't know, you know, like Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, because as Scott Frost said, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska needs seven Husker home games to like exist as a city, all those businesses. Right. So what happens when you, they don't get to go in a stadium, but they all, the 70,000 people decide they want to be in Lincoln, be outside the stadium and watch on big screens. Right. You know, that's, I think we're going to have an issue, but I, I do think there's going to be a season, you know, I, the spring early on, I thought the spring season was a very viable thing because I thought one, you could be a little bit safer, have more time to plan Two, I thought TV partners would love it because yeah. if you are, if you're ESPN and the SEC is like, we're in the big 12, like we're playing in September and then you can talk the big 10 and the PAC 12 into playing kicking off after the Super Bowl, you almost get two college football seasons. Right. Right. And then, then the question is what's going to happen when there's going to be a team or if someone's going to test positive and several, there could be several positive, you know, you just know it's going to happen. I mean, someone's going to have to forfeit games. I mean, there's just going to be a lot of logistical stuff that, that goes. Um, I, well, that's the thing too. Like, I think that one, I think the biggest, I think the most, the most uh, impactful thing that's happened since we last taped the podcast and if kind of flew under the radar was when, the NFL put out their schedule, mm-hmm. and not one governor has cried bloody murder. You know how dare Roger Goodell say he's going to play a football game in my my state, my you know some mayor in my city on this day? No one. Well, it's a sure path to not getting reelected. That's part of the it, well, exactly. So, like, I I think in many ways. It would not shock me if the NFL is – we don't have pro sports until, or sports at all until the NFL. Yeah. Because I think the NFL is like – the NBA and MLB, everyone seems to – there's no way that we can go play sports again and be perfectly safe. Like the bubble doesn't work. I think the other leagues – but the, the NFL doesn't care. They're just going to play the games. And if someone gets the virus, yeah. they're just okay. going to oh, well, bring okay. them to practice bring squad. Somebody like, else. Yeah. Okay. That's what they're going to do. Let's like, hope it's not Patrick I, Mahomes. That's what they're going to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's going to be the – and I think college football, like if we talk about the most craven sports operations in America, the NFL's one, college football's two. Absolutely. I think, the, you know, I also could see the NFL, because they're smart, saying, well, we're going to subsidize testing for all of college sports because – that's their feeder program. That's their minor league. You yeah. can't have that in danger. So I do think it's going to happen. I, I think it'll probably vary conference by conference, but I do think there's going to be a season. All right. Now that's going to be fascinating to watch. So if there is a season, obviously it's going to be one of the most anticipated seasons for Rutgers in a long time. Yeah. I was thinking about this today, Kratz. If you were to make your list of COVID winners and losers, which is something that our website would have done as as a slideshow a couple of years ago. Uh, winners would be Jeff Bezos and Greg Schiano, and losers would probably be the rest of humanity. I mean, like I'm trying to think of people who have come out looking at this thing. Uh, Dr. Fauci is a winner. Dr. Fauci is a winner too. He'd go on the winner slide. He's yeah. a winner. Um, the rest of us would be, you know. Or, um, well, I will say this. I was thinking about this. There is going to be some coach in college basketball that did not get fired because the pandemic stopped the season and oh, yeah. schools worry about money. And then that guy's going to like actually like go win something someday. Like 
Richard Patino. I think he was coming back anyway in Minnesota, but like the guy at Boston College was definitely a goner. Exactly. Jim Christian's going to be in the, in the Elite Eight in two years. Yeah, that's exactly. And it's going to be like, yeah. this, this saved this guy. You right. know, it's going to be like when George got suspended and Stick Michael's able to rebuild the farm system. Right. It's like, right. well, like we, 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 we didn't have to fire this guy. And look, it, we actually gave him time and it worked out. Right. So but, I would say a guy like that's the winner, but we don't know. Yeah. But, but Chiano, I mean, and I, I can't even, it's funny thing, I can't even say that the pandemic helped him because I really do believe that, you know, not having any spring practices when you're a coach coming in, when you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator who's going to put in a new system, you want to bring in your defensive style and erase what the bad habits the other guy coached. I mean, there's a lot of things here that he lost out on because of that. That said, it certainly hasn't hurt him. And what you're seeing now with his recruiting, to me, uh, is is exactly why you got you brought this guy in here. I mean, it, he's just been able to, you know, and the things that impressed me the most, he's been able to reopen the, the Florida pipeline finally with Jim Panagos and and go down there and get the players that were so important to this program when it, when it was when it was humming. And he's also, I mean, you just see the kind of people he's bringing in. Like you just can tell right away, he cannot recruit enough defensive backs, and he knows that. He's bringing, he's completely That's changed. Yeah. He's completely changed the way that room looks, and. He can't, you know, he's getting big people again. And he's getting big people that he can develop. You know, you can see the same kind of, you know, six, seven, 300 pounds, people they can add weight to, people who are being under-recruited. And, you know, I know people are fat. He's only got two stars. Well, I mean, his evaluation of the sort of body types and speed that you're looking for, uh, I think you're seeing him get those guys. I mean, what, what has impressed you the most for, for the last two months of, uh, of what he's been able to do? I think definitely the Florida stuff because I, I ran the numbers. It's kind of astonishing. It's like Rutgers football from when Greg started, even through Kyle Flood. Yeah. Every year they would signing five, six, nine kids out of Florida. Right. And all of a sudden, Chris Ash like stopped recruiting Florida. Mm-hmm. And I know they added like two kids at the end, and I'm not, and I'm not counting like IMG kids like Art, you know, and Jalen George. They were Northeast kids that just went down there. And I, I asked the people who were at like I'm like. Did, did you guys not realize that they're good football players in Florida? Right. And they said that for whatever reason, like on their board, like they had Florida kids, but they just always wanted to hammer the New Jersey Northeast angle. But the problem is that and the numbers bear out in the meantime, Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, those programs that Rutgers has to beat, mm-hmm. they were raiding Florida. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're pulling up, you know, five kids a year. And a part of it's a lovey, obviously, like Greg, former Bucks coach. But what's so fascinating about Florida is, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, they go into Florida to get, you know, the top tier kids. The kids at Rutgers, for now, isn't really competing for. Right. But Michigan State doesn't really play in Florida at all. Maryland dabbles a little bit. The Western schools don't really do a whole lot. So, like, in terms of Big Ten football, it's it's kind of this un, this relatively thing that Rutgers should be able to get kids in, but for whatever reason, for four or five years, they just were letting Indiana and Illinois take those kids. Yep. That's why I think Greg is changing. And the last thing is someone told me about this stuff, Florida, and why Panagos is so critical. I know people get very excited about Fran Brown and Sean Gleason, rightfully so. I think Jim was probably the most important hire, maybe, because – he said, there are, you know, someone told me, there are guys in Florida. You just need to know where to find them. Yeah. And Jim Panagos is a guy that, and Greg, that they, they go and find them. 
Right. I, I, I certainly agree with you. He's been important. I, I, mean, I do have to say, though, that Fran Brown is exactly yeah. as advertised, the guy I needed, like to, to get back in the South Jersey and to start winning these battles. Now I'm going to see, we have to see what he's going to do in North Jersey if he's going to start really picking off kids, you know, from yeah. the big pro powers. And we'll talk about that a little, a little bit later on. Um, uh, and he's also, of course, as we, you know, the number of transfers, you completely turn over the roster that way. And that includes. A new quarterback. It's like yes. every year now we have Noah Vedrill. Is that how you pronounce it? Noah Vedrill. Vedrill. Uh, kid from Nebraska. I mean, it's, and you hit this one right, right as soon as he went on the market. Yeah. You knew that Rutgers was going to be uh, in the market for him. Uh, you know, I think we have reached the point now with, with the quarterback transfers that we know better to think the savior's coming in here. Uh, that said, if you watched the team last year, you know they had they had to get someone uh, who could who could be uh, you know add to the room there. Uh, and I think some of his attributes, from what I've read, and I haven't looked at the film, but from what I've read, kind of fit yeah. into what Gleason will, will want to do offensively. I and mean, what what have you seen as far as this kid and what uh, what his potential is? He's he's very athletic. He's a, he's a really accomplished rusher. Um, my my first kind of takeaway was I, I know that Rutgers fans really appreciated you know what Johnny Langan did like. Yeah. I don't really see him. I wouldn't have shocked me if Johnny Langan's changing positions by the time we get to camp, just be, or at some point, because Vegel kind of, you know, Vegel's a better passer, and I think Vegel is equal or a better runner than him. Right. So it's like that kind of takes any you know, any of that element that, that Langan had to kind of fit Gleason's offense. Vegel kind of overlaps him on. I don't think I think it's a great pickup for Rutgers because he's not coming in to be the savior. Where in the past. In the Ash era, it was, we need to get a quarterback from someone because we haven't been able to develop our own. Yeah. In this situation, Vegel's coming in. He's going to compete with Art. I think that if that's a pretty even competition. You know, obviously, neither guy's had a spring practice, and you know, both guys are basically new, new staff. And even if he, if he beats that Art, great. You've got to start it for two years because he's eligible for two years. And if he doesn't, you've seen that offensive line. I, I don't even if Art wins the job outright, you know, it's no guarantee that Art's going to play twenty four to twenty six straight games the next two seasons. You're going to need a backup at some point. Of Gosh, I think Vedral, he's a quality backup, and I think he ran a no huddle offense that moved quick at Nebraska. That which is what Gleason, Gleason wants to snap the ball every fifteen seconds. Mm-hmm. That's what they were trying to do there. Um, he's got a kid who has been Big Ten experience. Doesn't have the world's greatest arm, but he does have a, a good arm. He's made some big throws. So I thought it was a great – I always say, you know, I think Rutgers fans thought that Greg was going to have the ability to kind of lure in some big-name, you know, five-star quarterback prospect like the kid from USC, JT Daniels. They're not there yet. No. no. It's a team that's had the worst offense in major college football for years. No one knows what Gleason's system is going to look like. They don't have any proven receivers. They don't have a good offensive line situation. They needed to get a guy who's got some upside and some experience, but was not going to go to a big program and be handed a job. He had to come to a place like Rutgers and fight to be a power right. five starter. Yeah. That's what they got. He's a transitional player, and you mentioned it. They're going to have to finally develop that quarterback. And we've been talking about this, at, you know, ad nauseum since <laughs> since Gary Nova walked off campus. I mean, they're going to have it's to amazing. find a kid who can be who they can turn into a four year, a three year starter. You know, I mean, they've had seven FBS transfers since Gary Nova played his last Unbelievable. game. Seven, seven. That was that was that long ago. It was 2011, right? 2014. 14. Oh, seven. Right. That's just nuts. Oh man. You know? 
Unbelievable. Uh, all right, let's dive into true or false. We haven't done this in so long. It'll be fun. You know the rules. Do true or false, I'll take Sarge's place and answer the questions myself as well. All right, here we go. True or false, the infusion of transfer talent has changed your outlook on next season. False. Yeah, I, it's funny. I'm going to go false there, too. We're going we to dive into that and why the reasons are. True or false, Art is still the starting quarterback when the season begins. False. I think it's true, and I'll explain why when we get there. Okay. <clears throat> true or false, Rutgers will finish with a top 20 recruiting class. False. False. That's very hard. There's 17 now. That's hard to do. Uh, Rutgers will finish with a top 30 recruiting class. True or false? False. Yeah, I got to go false, too. And I asked my man Todrick about this. Uh, true or false, Rutgers will finish with a top 40 recruiting class. I'll say true yeah, to that. True. I think that's where they're going to finish. In the mid-30s, I bet. Uh, true or false, Big Cliff. And that's what I'm going to call him because, yeah. as we know, I cannot pronounce the name Amururi. Big Cliff makes Rutgers hoops a top 25 team next season. True or false? False. I'll explain later. Okay. I'm going to go true. I think that they, they're, they're going to, there's enough buzz about them. All right. True or false? Rutgers is going to start ditching non-revenue sports to help make the budget. False. I also agree that that is false. True or false? Sarge will cover another Rutgers game in my lifetime. True or false? True. <laughs> I know that's gonna it's gonna be that's gonna be the big X factor if we ever see him again. Uh, I'll say true as well. Uh, and finally, social distancing in the press box—it's what we've always wanted because we're tired of sweating on each other. True or false? True. Yeah. So oh, absolutely. God, let's bring it on. There's plenty of room up there. I can second. You know, it's not a problem for whatever reason. And Hasim, if you're listening, Jimmy Gill. You put all of us, you, st you stick us on top of each other. This is the perfect opportunity to give us all six feet of in six feet of room, please. No, I, I've actually, I've already volunteered. I said if if, if there's limited capacity, like I, I want to, I'll sit in the stands and cover the game. You know, I was like, tell Greg, I'll just sit right behind the bench. Yo, I, you know, yeah, that's what he's going to want you nowhere near that place. Uh, all right, so you don't think you also agree with me on this? And I, I, th I thought you might, you might bite. You don't think what's happened here? with the bringing of players in changes what you thought the season was going to be? No, I mean, I always thought this was a three to four win team. I, I, look, I think it's very possible that this team starts three and oh, like let's just assume they play the full schedule. Yeah. They beat Monmouth, they beat Syracuse, they beat Temple. You know, everyone's feeling good. You know, they, they get a vote or two in the AP top 25 and then they go one and eight in the big 10. Right. I just was, I don't, I just can't imagine that Greg is not, I mean, he went, they went winless in the big East. You won. There's no way in my mind that Greg is going to have a team go winless in the Big Ten again. They have to end that streak. Because if they go 0-9 in the Big Ten, then they're sitting at 30 straight Big Ten losses. And the Northwestern team of the Dark Ages yeah. is suddenly in position to be popping champagne. Because then they would be in striking distance of that ugly 38-game Big Ten losing streak. Right, so, right. But that being said... I think this is a three and nine or four and eighteen right now. I don't think anything changes now. If Noah Vegel comes out and he's he's a hot shot and they and they can get some receivers and the offensive line is better, yeah, maybe you could talk me into this team having a puncher's chance at 
pushing five or six wins. But right now, I, I still think it's a three or four win. Team. That's a lot of ifs. Yeah. And this is my other thing. Yeah. We're not talking. We're talking about so much change. Like, I, I tell you, I, I'm just curious to see the roster. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm guessing that well, we're all curious. When we get our hands on that roster, we're going to be like, we're gonna take, it's going to take you half an hour to figure out who, who left, who's gone, who's here. I mean, we haven't gotten the full. I, I, we know there's, there's no roster. And I point out, I'm like, you, you guys do know you were supposed to play a spring game a month ago. <laughs> like, would you have had a roster by then? It's going to be a completely different team that's so much, so much movement around, so much shifting. I think they'll be better fundamentally, but it's just hard to yeah. see them improving well, along the lines to, to a point where this team is going to be. Uh, you Locking know, and tackling yeah, is not going to get you from two wins to six. Right, exactly. So. Yeah, it, that that's going to be that's going to be the biggest trick. Uh, and you and you don't you think that it, it's going to be the new kid is going to be quarterback? You think he's going to win? That I game? wrote this when I did my film review. I think it's like fifty-one forty-nine yeah. Vedral or just because I think Vedral. My guess is that the way I look at it is, Art obviously has a better arm. Vedral is a better runner. I don't think Vegetal has a bad arm, and I also think that Art is a lot more mobile than people give credit yeah, for. Right, right. But I think that when you look at the roster they have, the talent they have, and Greg has said this about Gleason, he's a guy who, who his scheme fits his players. He doesn't try to jam his players into his scheme. Right. I just think the sum of Rutgers' parts, we know they can run the ball really well with Pacheco and Aaron Young and, and Heron Adams. We know they don't have a lot of – proven wide receiver talent. We know the offensive line is going to be shaky. I just think this might be more of a run-first, no-huddle attack than a pass-first, and that might hew towards Vegetal. But I don't think this is – I don't. I think this is a straight-up, you know, yeah. too-close-to-call race. But I just think they might be better with Vegetal given their personnel. Right. And I think they're going to – I think I do think that, that Greg is going to like Art. I think he's gonna like you yes. know just the you know the, his toughness. They're gonna like his, in fact he's a local kid, so I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, just because and he's got experience, got more experience than 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 Virgil does. So yeah, I mean I agree it's a toss up, but if I had to if I had to pick one now, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Art. Give him give him the nudge. Um, all right, what else? Anything else we have to address there? Well, not uh, not ditching teams. I really believe that. I've I've heard that from multiple people that these teams, some of these teams, are actually money makers now for the university. Would you think about baseball again? As nine, yeah, they're, they're money eleven scholarships. They're money makers yeah. with the with the scholarships, obviously. Um, like look, you know, look, I, there's like 60, 70 women on the rowing team. Yeah. I can't. They don't have six, seventy rowing scholarships. So. You think about that. And I think the other thing too is, and I talk to people, is that Rutgers and other athletic departments, they need to save money now. Whereas if you cut a team, you're not saving money probably for two or three seasons because you've got to honor the scholarships of the athletes that are still there. And not all of them are going to leave, especially when you get to these smaller sports. You've got to still pay all the coaches. You know, so a lot of these Rutgers sports, they've got head coaches with, with two, three years left on their deal. They still got to pay those coaches, you know, and, and in this current climate, if you're a coach and you've got three years of salary, you might not be thinking, oh, I'm going to move across the country to keep coaching. Right. You might just, yeah. you know, chill. So I, I, you, you have that, obviously. So I think a lot of these teams you've seen get cut, it's a convenient crisis. You know, never let a good crisis go to waste. They've been wanting to cut these teams for a while at these schools. Now they can do it. And I do think that. At the lower levels, D two, D three, it's probably more of a you know when they're not at, when these coaches are on one year deals to begin with, and they're not a lot of scholarship players. 
yeah, you're probably saving money and, and fixing your budget there. But if you're Rutgers, if you even if you cut a sport, you're not necessarily going to you're not going to save money for two or three years. And at that point, you hope that the world's back to normal and the cash is flowing exactly. again. <clears throat> All right, let's dive into your questions from Rutgers Insider. And first, I got to say. Uh, I am humble. We are. We all are humbled and grateful that you guys have yes. stuck with us. We've only lost about a dozen subscribers, and given you know that the economy went to you know what, and that you know, there's been no sports, uh, yeah. been. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we're going to make it uh, certainly worth your while when things get back humming again. Uh, and you had a lot of good questions, and most of them, I you know, most of them have dealt with stuff we've talked about a little bit with what the season, you know, uh, what the season looks like. Uh, and this was a good one. I like it. So assume they cut capacity to 17,000, 20,000, and that students are allocated 5,000, 5, 8,000, which is probably more than they will be. Uh, how would the remaining capacity in that stadium be allocated? Oldest season ticket holders, biggest donors, you get half of your normal perfect purchase. Will they serve food? Or do we just all stay home with the 72-inch Samsung and call it a day? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know how you do that. I mean, I, I guess in some ways you have to – like as we talked about, see see how it sorts out. You got to give. I mean, obviously, Ron Garuti's going to have a seat. You know, like guys, you know, Jeff Dallas yeah. is going to have a seat. Guys who have donated to the program. But what do you do with the casual fans, guys? How do you think you solve that problem? I think you might see a situation like maybe. I think you know Iowa State is kind of in a leader. Like they were the first athletic department to cut coaches' salaries, and they're the kind of the first department to come out and say like, "This is our plan." Yeah. And I think they've sort of had some flexibility because Iowa has never I, – I just read this. I can believe it. They've never had a stay-at-home order. Yeah. Like they've restricted – they've restricted things, but they've never really kind of officially done this. So they kind of have the ability to make things up because they don't have a government body kind of setting the tone for them. I, I think it might be season ticket holders. I think obviously you're going to have to deal with um, – one of the things, all these football contracts, especially non-conference games, but also uh, conference games, you know, there's ticket allotments to the visiting team. You know, what happens to that? Like, right. do you have to – do you still have to give uh, – you know, Michigan's coming here this year. Uh, you know, do you still have to give Michigan 2,000 tickets and let them distribute you know, know. who's coming? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, food, I would think you can serve food because it's really no different than, like, takeout. Yeah, that's you know, true. I mean, I was, you probably like, you know, they're going to mobile ticketing on the Rutgers app, which is going to save the university, I think, you know, high to mid to high six figures this year. I mean, I think simply it's not printing the season tickets, right. but I think down the road, they think it's going to be a significant, you know, savings of high six figures just because they're not going to necessarily have to pay as many ticket scanners. I think there might be some like actual stationary scanning devices at some point yeah. when they see this. But you know, you could order food on your app and just go walk up to the concession stand and pick it up. I think it'll be like a grocery store. It'll probably be like a big circle, like you gotta go one way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um I could see maybe you open gates at certain times and you kind of slowly fill the stadium in bottom to top. Right. Right. It's it going to be very interesting. And then let's take it this, to the next step. Now, we're talking football where you can do it. I mean, the rack, you finally get to this place where you've got your basketball arena. Ticket demand's got to be sky high after that season. You know, yeah. it's been the, it's the most feared home court in, in, the, east, in the East now, in 18-1 there. What happens there? I haven't even thought about that. I mean, you, you, you limit that to 2,000 people? I mean, well, how do you – how do you solve the problem of having all those people in indoors in the winter during flu season? Yeah. 
Uh, it's a great question. You know, I tend to think that it wouldn't shock me if college basketball actually – it wouldn't shock me if we see a fall where we play college football on time, we see, but we see drastic changes with the other sports. Like, do you really need to see, send the Rutgers you know, soccer team to Michigan State? Right, right. I believe, you know, men's soccer team. Like, I think what it's just, we're like – Hey, you know, Rutgers, like Rutgers, I even think baseball down the road, like Rutgers baseball can just play Maryland four times. Like, yeah, it doesn't really matter it's easier for the outdoors and the sports yeah. at that point. Like, but, I, but I think, but for basketball, it also wouldn't shock me if they just say, okay, we're going to, we're just not going to tip off until January 1. Right. Right. Because you can, you can move up, fit up basket. I mean, I know Steve Peichel's not going to like it. But you could jam all those games and starting in January and still have the tournament on time, yeah. you, know, you know. So, but I, that I don't know how they would do it. I think there's a chance that you might just have to say no one, no one gets in the rack, right. which which would be horrible. But be horrible, it'd be absolutely you, horrible. You got You got to. You got. It would be horrible, but you, you got to keep the, the ship moving at some point. And the financial impact. Someone or another another uh, insider wants to know, uh, with no, what would the financial impact be with having football with no fans? One would assume it would be less impactful to Rutgers than most Big Ten schools. Although RU is certainly hoping for a Shiano year one bump. It's still a lot smaller. That's a good point. And the attendance hasn't been great the last few years. Certainly Michigan, you know, the big house, 105,000 yeah. people, they're going to collect more ticket, ticket revenue. That said, Rutgers is in the unenviable position that's already relying heavily on subsidies from the university, which is in its own financial crisis now. Forget just athletics. Yes. The entire university is going to lose a lot of money from the state. It's going to lose some tuition. I mean, it's going to just a, it's, it's going to be a crunch. And Barchi has already said that. Uh, I mean, I don't think Pat Hobbs. Knows. I don't think anybody knows the answer to this question. But no, I don't be, think they do. It's going to be rough. When I when I wrote this, like right when the pandemic started, you know, I wrote this. I did an interview with Pat, and Pat said, and it makes sense that Rutgers was was basically breaking even through the the spring because while they lost like money from the NCAA tournament um, disbursement from the conferences, because the NCAA didn't only. I think they handled like two hundred and seventy-five million when they were supposed to hand out six hundred million to the leagues, but they saved all that money from not having to travel for all the spring sports. You know, not yeah. have, no recruiting budget, no on-campus meals. So they saved money there. So they were about even. But I think it's impossible. We're not going to know until the state sets their budget, which I believe Governor Murphy's pushed the fiscal year back to the end of August. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I think we're not going. They're not going to know until a they know what they're doing with football, and b you know like, for instance, if you're a Rutgers student and you choose not to attend classes on campus, there of course it sounds like everyone's going to accommodate kids who want to stay at home learning. Well, are they going to ding those kids for student a student fee? Right. Yeah. Like that's going to be the big part. You know, I yeah. think student fees, the 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 direct you know institutional support you know but I, I think the other thing too is with a new president coming in everyone times are tough you know we know for a fact that Rutgers is you know the the internal loans from the, the university bank what i want to know is do they get to a point where it's just such a mess that the best way to approach it is just to kind of clear the books of everybody yeah could you know and obviously i think the big thing too is is the big 10 going to try to help some of these schools that are hurting desperately. Because if you're the Big Ten, whether it's Rutgers or, or any other program, 
you, you can't have an athletic department basically withering on the vine. You need to make, you know, so is the Big Ten going to start providing its own stimulus packages? So many things eventually. that we do not have the answer to. Uh, all right, here's a recruiting question. How many spots are left in 2021? I assume they are holding for Bullock, Van de Mark, Esteem. Uh, I hear a lot about Keeler Barrow. These are obviously a bunch of recruiting names that uh, you guys may or may not know. But it doesn't seem like we have many spots left. What is the realistic expectation? Uh, uh, and I so uh, and he also wants to know, you know, seems like they have uh, to take in a lot of guys with lower ratings than other top 20 classics. What is the realistic final ranking for the class? Is it in the low 20s? I still think that sounds great. I asked Todrick this question. <laughs> I emailed it to him because I thought it was a good one. And obviously it's his ex area's expertise. He would know better than us. He says, I expect Rutgers to take at least 25 recruits for 2021 and probably more by using blue and gray shirt techniques that they used the last time around. I think the la the class likely ends up ranked in the low to mid thirties, but would be really impressed if they can stay in the twenties. But they will need to add a couple of four stars. So uh, they still have, they they'll save three to four slots for four stars and already have two, three, four star types. Uh, although only one player is actually ranked that high. Hence, this class is shaping up to be a strong class overall. Some of these guys would have gotten plenty more offers if there was camp season. So that's that's a that's a great answer from the man itself. Um, yes. Another. This is a great, and then you're going to love this. Uh, someone asked specifically uh, about uh, Bergen Catholic defensive tackle Taiwan Malone. I'm pronouncing that word. Who's the number one prospect yes. in New Jersey? And I looked it up. Cratch. Uh, he wants to know if Rutgers has a has a chance. And I went online, and his list, his college list. This is great. He's he's got offers and warm interest from four schools: uh, Ohio State, obviously, with Larry Johnson recruiting him, Ole Miss with Chris Partridge recruiting him, familiar name. Ah. Rutgers yes. with Jim Panagos recruiting us, obviously defensive line coach. And then at the bottom, Alabama. And you know who's recruiting him for Alabama, of course. <laughs> Kyle Flood. <laughs> that is well, you know, I, I was actually I was joking with someone. I said, you know, in a way, Kyle Flood, you could say indirectly like denuclearized like the big north recruiting board <laughs> because did. because he, the, did. he tried to hire partridge he tried to hire partridge and obviously that fell apart and partridge goes to michigan okay yeah. then ash says that that was a pretty good idea let me bring nunzio yeah. in okay so nunzio comes in while nunzio i believe no so toll then toll gets forced out of bosco nunzio comes in and then Greg hires Augie, and it's like it's over, basically. You know, like that crazy time period where, like, you know, Paramus Catholic and the smoke machine and, like, the, the recruiting wars and all the, the controversies and the sniping, it's like it's over. Amazing. And the first kind of domino was Kyle Flood taking Partridge out yeah. of the, off the playing field and PC basically like, hey, we're going to kind of go back to normal here. I think the answer to your question, the question is that they are definitely long answer. They're definitely in the mix for this kid by by all accounts, but he is the kind of kid that has been the hardest to get, which is the talented defensive tackle that has high major interest. And you look at he also, I believe, is a pretty good baseball player. Oh, uh, so that might become a factor. I think he might he might have some interest in playing baseball. And I know I asked people like you know what type of baseball player is and. You know, people said they haven't really seen him play much, but like you watch video of him in a batting cage, and he looks like you know Cecil Fielder in there. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they said you know that's a guy who 
you know, that could also be a factor in the race. But I think they have a shot. But yeah, it, it's it's going to be tough to if if they pull that one off, it could end up being the biggest recruiting win. Uh, right, and then you'll yeah, then you'll know that uh, Greg. I mean, you know, that we talk about some of they've had. I mean, Savon Huggins did not materialize as the player, but that was huge. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis, obviously, yeah, this is that kind of level kid. So we'll see what happens. Uh, all right, so a few more here. How do you envision the quarterback quarterback's role in multiple offense? Will it require a mobile athletic type or a more traditional pocket passer that has been the hallmark of the pro style Shiano teams of the past of the quarterbacks in camp who possesses the attributes that will allow the offense to threaten defenses? with six play, playmakers versus the traditional five. Basically, everything I've heard is not going to be the traditional offense for, with Shadow in the past, right? No. Uh, you know, Sean and Lisa made it very clear that they want to go fast. Um, you know, obviously, they're going to try to fit their personnel, but they, they want to run a no-huddle offense. You know, I didn't, I didn't hear as much of an emphasis as McNulty put on, like, with the, the chunk plays, which, not that Rutgers ever had chunk plays, you know, since I've been around, but... No, I think it's going to be a spread offense. It's going to be quick. And I do think that it's, as I said, I think a guy, a mobile quarterback who can make things happen with his legs is, is going to have a really good chance to, to succeed in this scheme. I just think it's really going to come down to what fits around Art and Vegetal. And I, I think that they might be more of a run team, and I think that might fit Vegetal. The 15-second thing, and I, 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 I do love that. I do love that approach and that attitude and the attacking style. I think – that you're really two or three years away from seeing. I mean, if you're not going to do what Merringer did, you know, the first year where they were punting the ball after 11 seconds to Michigan and losing eight, that's how you, that's how you lose 78 nothing. I just can't imagine that if they don't have the talent to do that, they're not going to do that, right? Yeah, and I think, the, like, 15 seconds, it, it, obviously it's fast, but, like, I was even watching the Vedroff tape with um, with Nebraska, and granted, like, there was some time, like, for instance, he came in the fourth quarter of the Northwestern game, <clears throat> They're trying to eat clock and set up the game-winning field goal. So that's not going to happen. But even when they were, like, moving at their warp speed, I had a timer, and, like, it would still be, like, 21 seconds, 23 seconds, 18 mm -hmm. seconds. So 15 seconds, I'm sure, is the goal, but that's fast. Like, I don't even know if a well-oiled, like, Oregon offense under Chip Kelly was getting 15 seconds every time. Right. Uh, all right, a couple more. Good more. Have, you, did, have there been any developments regarding the investigation into the softball program? Maybe I've missed it, but I've not heard anything since the law firm was hired to conduct the investigation. I think the last thing we heard that it was it was getting close. <laughs> and then and then the world fell yes. apart. So I, I half expected them to uh, to drop it on the, the Friday before Memorial Weekend in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, you know, the ultimate news drop slot. Uh, it hasn't happened. I you know, this is again, this, this is one of those things that, that Sarge keeps up with. He's not on the call. But, you know, I don't I, I from what I get, the, the sense I get is that it, it, that it uh, it's almost done. So. Yes. All right. And this is a funny one from our friend Kevin Fine in Indiana. Once Greg wins the Rose Bowl in year six and Pat Hobbs becomes commissioner of the Big East, could he see himself handing over the reins to Gleason and taking a Barry Alvarez type of role as AD? That's <laughs> great. Uh, I don't think that, that Greg Shanna wants to be athletic director. I think he just wants to no. select the athletic director. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's something he'd be interested in. Oh, you know, who knows? P things change. You know, I do will say that, you know, and this is going to be the fascinating kind of dynamic now where fundraising completely changes at a university in, in a lot of ways. You know, he wants to build this facility for football needs. He, 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 like, he needs it, the Death Star. Uh, and, you know, believe me, coronavirus is not going to is not going to change that priority for him. 
Uh, no. It might make it a lot harder, though, right? I mean, that's 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 going to be a fascinating thing to see if he can still get the the, the donors to, to to invest in that. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's going to be tough. I know that, that they're still kind of coming up with the renderings. I think that they're not necessarily in any like big rush, like you know this has to be done yesterday sort of situation. But I do expect by the fall. They will have some sort of, you know, makeups of what the place is going to look like. My understanding is, I think it's it's going to be like the Death Star. Like they're not going to put a, a they're not going to replace the bubble and then build a facility. This is going to be all in one. Right. You know, a, a football. You know, <laughs> what was it that our friends at the uh, the RU group, Shiano's like football palace or something? Yes. You know, we're, we're gonna it's it's going to be palatial, but I, I, it's still on the board, but I, I do agree with you. I think that the, it's going to – and I think Rutgers, I know, fact they want to be sensitive to the fact that there's a pandemic going on and it's a hard economic situation for everyone. Of course. So I think they're, they're not going to immediately, you know, hey, once once football's back, they're not going to be running around trying to pass the hat necessarily from day absolutely, one. Absolutely. All right. That's all I got. You got anything else? No, I just get back to we talked about basketball. Um, the re- I, I if if it's like a, a preseason top twenty five hype situation, yeah, sure. I think adding Cliff adds. I don't know if because the way I look at Cliff is is Cliff going to be better in year one than Shaq Carter is? Yes, because you're basically trading off Shaq Carter for defensively. Cliff. He, I mean, yes. The answer yeah. to that question is yeah. Offensively, I don't know. I don't know if it matters offensively. Yeah. You would think he would be just based on everything I've seen, the size of the kid, shot blocking, yeah. rebounding. Yeah, you you would expect that this would be the player that they can put up front that would move allow Miles Johnson to to get out yeah. of those Big Ten battles where he's constantly grinding down and getting in foul trouble exactly. against big centers. So I think yeah, but um, yeah, I mean I, I top twenty five. I think if there's enough, you know, if there's enough buzz about what the team did last year, like that, that there's going to be some guys who put him in there. Certainly, they'll, it'll, they'll be in the others receiving votes oh, yeah. area. Oh, and they might crack the top twenty five. And so, and I think look, if they don't make it in the preseason. They're going to have their chances. We know they're playing Baylor. Yep. You know, I've I've texted it. I've written it. A lot of you know scuttlebutt out there about the possibility that they might be making a trip down to Villanova. Wow. You know, in the Gavit games potentially. You know, North Carolina is supposed to come up to play Monmouth. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the Big Ten ACC challenge. You know, I do think they're going. Whether it's Syracuse, North Carolina, Nova, um, you know, like a Butler, I do think they're going to get two marquee matchups in the two challenges and that's going to give them a big chance to make a splash and kind of propel themselves into the national talk even yeah. more and I, and I will come back and this is a good, good way to title and the last thing i did in a normal world right was <laughs> was the flight the flight to indianapolis where we're all going to the tournament and we don't know what's going to happen and we get on the plane, and it's sort of a normal world. And we land, and all the phones from all – it must have been 15 Rutgers people on that plane. You know, a lot, a couple of them told me they were listeners here. So, you know, you guys can certainly remember the story too. And the phones are – everybody's phones are buzzing because there's no Wi-Fi on the plane. We get that. We get near the bottom, and we find out the fans cannot go to the Big Ten tournament. That, to me, was the moment that's like the last normal thing that happened to me sports-wise. It's just incredible to think about. That was only two months ago. You know, it's just – I know. I, Amazing. Amazing. All right, everybody, stay stay safe and healthy out there. We'll try to do this sooner than uh, than two months. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. If you're a subscriber to uh, the A Workers Insider, if not, nj.com backslash text. We'd love to have you aboard. Uh, and hopefully we'll have a podcast soon. Thanks again. nj.com backslash text. We'd love to have you aboard. 
uh, and hopefully we'll have a podcast soon. Thanks again.